Okay. Very nice. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and talk about worship. What else? I mean, we should stick to, our, uh, to what we can do best. Amen. So uh, what we did last week is uh, we did a survey about worship. And the question that we posed to you guys is, would you regard yourself as a worshiper? Would you say of yourself, yes, I'm a worshiper? And most of the guys, most of, of the guys and girls said, yes, I do. And this is no surprise to me because since last week when Daniel Nuish was talking about uh, worship is not just, or also uh, Paige said it before, worship is not just singing towards God, but it's also working, it's also serving, it's all these these different kind of, uh, of activities that you present your life towards God, and we're going to talk more about that later. But what I want to do is, I want to pray with you guys. I, wanna, I want us to stand, if you can, really quick. Also at home, if you're watching the stream, just stand in the presence of God and let's ask Him to speak to us. Because it's one thing if, if you hear me speak, but if you hear the Holy Spirit speak, woo, yeah, you, uh, you have something to take away from that. And here we are, Holy Spirit. And we ask you to speak into our lives. We open up our hearts. We open up our minds. And we give you the opportunity to speak. And I want to take something home. Something that, I, that, that uh, drives me closer to your heart. And to what you want me. Um, to my f full self that you want to develop me into. Become more like you, Jesus. Amen. Cool, yeah. So the question today, because since we, we said yes, most of us, we regard ourselves as worshipers. The question today is not uh, if we worship. My question would be, who or what do you worship? That's the question. Because we all are wired that way, that we need to worship something that our hearts are kind of... of um, of, of uh, pulled into the direction of the Bible says uh, he has put into our hearts eternity the longing for something greater it's a mystery that even people who don't believe in Christ or any God for that matter do feel that something is pulling them the question why am I here what do I do here on earth and I think it's a huge privilege to know the God that created heaven and earth. Amen. We serve a God. Not just any God. We serve the God who created heavens and the earth. And who means so well with you and me. That's the God we worship. This is really important. Because who you worship. What you worship will determine. What you change into. Which picture you adapt. You understand what I mean? Okay. So. Um. But I'm not the first one that um, kind of had this thought. Also in the Middle Ages, they already talked about this a lot. And there's just this Westminster Assembly. They met over a thousand times, imagine that, over the, the course of like, I don't know, 10 years. And they discussed matters of Christianity, uh, how we should live and what the Bible really says about this and that. And one question they posed was, what is the chief end of man. Kind of an important question, right? <laughs> the answer they put was, a man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's big, right? They could also have written down, well, 
a man's chief end is to do a lot of good. Or to get to heaven or whatever. But they said it's to glorify God, the God of the Bible, and to enjoy him forever. I really like that. Come on. So, you see, worship is not just something for the musicians and pastors and you just need to do it. Otherwise, um, you will get, get bad grades in heaven or something. It's something that is really central to the Christian faith. So, when we talk about what we worship and the next question will be, why do we worship? And this might sound a little awkward because, well, of course, we just do worship because we're dependent upon God and you, it's this relationship of humans towards God. But I really think it's quite different than any other religion, than any other faith. Because in every faith, that um, tool of worship is the thing that really helps you connect, really gets you going in the first place to connect with the goddess or the God. In Christianity, it's really different. God took the first step. Amen? We read in Romans 12, verse 1, Christian brothers and sisters, I ask you from my heart to give your bodies, and the word bodies means your whole life, to God because of his loving kindness to us. Let your bodies be a living and holy gift given to God. He is pleased with this kind of gift. This is true worship that you should give him. Amen? So what we do when we worship him, it is a response to what he did first. It is not the first step, but it is a response to what God did. Because he loved you first. Amen? And why is this so important? Because when you think you do the first step, when you come and worship and present yourself to him, you overestimate yourself a lot. And you underestimate what God can do in your life. Amen? Amen. So we talk about who we worship. We talk about why we worship. The third question I want to pose to you is how do we worship? And here Christianity is really um, not getting along really well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot of styles, amen? Some of us like to dance before the Lord. Others like to fold their hands. Others um, don't even like to sing, uh, as we heard. Or, and I just want to um, dive into the Bible here because I believe if we have a solid discussion on anything that is uh, like theology, it should start with the Bible, amen? Who may go up to the mountain of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. And I think that is kind of a good setting to go from. Clean hands and a pure heart. It's kind of, we have some outward um, appearances that come out of our worship. This may be your daily decisions, how you serve your deeds, your words, your work. But also your inner man, your motives, your faith, how you even get to believe what you believe. And I believe God wants both of us. If we present ourselves to him, he's interested in your inner man, but he's also interested in how you step before him. What does it mean to come before God with clean hands? What does it mean? 
I want to explain it to you uh, with an example out of my marriage. I'm married for almost 20 years now to my wife, Tanya. We have two beautiful girls. Chiara is almost 15 and Aliyah is 11. And um, you must know I'm a big outdoors fan. So I would go on motorbike trips for hours and drop into my bed really tired and do the same in the morning all over again. I like to go climb big mountains and or go outdoors and just start a fire and do a little barbecue, you know? We men, we don't need a lot. Amen? Yeah, we just need a fire, maybe two cans of beer or, uh, and, and maybe chips. And if it really gets bloody, we maybe need, maybe need a, a pocket knife. If the dragon comes along, you slay the dragon or something like that. So um, I thought I want to have, because I have a lot of these adventures with Leo and all the small group boys, that's why it's important for you boys to have a good small group where you can share your adventures, amen? <laughs> but I also wanted my family to be part of, yeah, these little adventures. So I thought it was about a year ago, I thought to myself, why don't I just prepare a really nice uh, a fire in the midst of the cold February Switzerland snow and uh, invite my family for dinner? So that's what I did. I prepared everything. I, I, I tried to make it look really nice. <laughs> uh, even... Um, made a path with torches so they will find the way and uh, prepared everything. The fire was already burning so they would not stand in the cold when they came. And I thought, wow, that's, that's just a great idea, Dave. You, well done, mate. So, so my family will come and they're like, yeah, first they were late. And that bothered me a lot because, you know, if you, if you try something out and you try to do nice for someone and they don't really respect you, like, hey, come on. Second, my wife came and she was like freezing all over and she looked like she want to go home right away. And I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it's just, uh, it's just one of these nights and I, I don't know. And so what I did two weeks ago, just exactly the same thing. What you must know about us, man, if something didn't work the first time, we just do it all over again and try to expect a different outcome, right? <laughs> so that's what I did. And I said to Tanya, come on, let's do it. Let's go out and we'll build a fire in the snow. And it's just a normal Wednesday night, nothing big. Now we have a dog. It's even more romantic, you know. You have the picture. And she's like wiggling out of it and like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. And I was like, honey, just spit it out. And she's like, honey? And you know, we always call ourselves honey. It, there's the honey like, honey, I want to have sex with you. And there's the honey of, honey, you need to listen. It's always honey. She was like, honey. And it was not, not the first one. <laughs> honey, maybe it's just your thing with the boys. Maybe you just like to go out and light a fire and eat a sausage that's not even lukewarm. And sit on a cold stone. It's not my, really my thing. And I'm like, okay. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> I'll try something else next time. <laughs> and what I really did is I made a whole list of what Tanya loves, what Tanya hates, and what I need to consider if she's having a, a low day, a bad day. Because I want to learn and I, wanna, I, I tend to forget things. Maybe it's also a main thing. I don't know. But I need to have it before my eyes. Okay, what do I need to do? 
What do I need to do? How do I need to treat my wife because I want to love her how she needs it? And I wonder if it's the same thing with God. Sometimes we just do our thing. And it's really big in Christianity right now that everyone has his access to God, right? Some of us have the, the really busy access, the, the, the active access. So you just serve in church and say, that's my access, how I worship God. That's a good thing. I, I, nothing against that. I have that too. So some people say, worship is not really my thing. I will come for the word later. Uh, maybe you say the Bible is not my thing, just as Paige said. Uh, I'm not going to read the Bible. It's, I'm just listening really good messages and podcasts. Whatever you do, it's fine with me. But did you really ask yourself the question, what God loves, what God likes? Because he might have an opinion. And if, we, if it comes to worship, the Bible already has a lot of words. Uh, in fact, the whole book, it's called the Psalms. And it's like um, a worship uh, manual that you find a lot of, of, um, of forums how you can please him. Let's see the list, please. And if you read your English Bible, worship the Lord or uh, um, praise the Lord, there might be a whole other uh, word behind it in Greek or in Hebrew that means a really specific thing. And God loves all these kinds of, of things. But I thought... Instead of going into uh, the Greek and, and Hebrew too deep, why don't we just try out three of these? Just with each other, just for fun. And, and see how, God, how you uh, can please God with, with some of these things. So uh, I'm going to ask the production. No, first, let's stand up. Let's stand up real quick. Come on, come on. And uh, I'm going to ask the production to spin the wheel, please. And let's see what comes out for the first time. Okay, you ready guys? Clap your hands, come on. Let's clap your hands. Jesus, we love you. We give you the praise, the glory you deserve. Come on, come on. Woo, woo. Yeah. Oh, I like these vibes. Yeah. Come on, spin the wheel for a second time. Let's see what happens. Mm. It's bow down everybody. You ready to bow before your king? Come on, let's do that. You can do that at home even. You just get on your knees, bow down, and say, King Jesus, you're welcome. You're welcome in this place. I lay down my life before you. Thank you that you did the first step. I'm here to tell you that I love you, respect you. Spin the wheel. Let's see what happens, guys. We have one more to go. What is it? It's the dance. You're ready to dance? Come on, English community. Come on. Come on. Yeah, that's the dance. So you see, please have a seat again. <sighs> that's how you can please God. It's written in the Psalms right there. And so I want to encourage you a little bit and also challenge you a little bit to get out of your comfort zone sometimes. Amen? 
at home and even in a worship service. Because some of us come like this and you just have your hands in the pocket and maybe you're here and say, God, I'm here and I'm waiting on my favorite song. I'm waiting on my favorite worship leader on Dawn with the big muscles. Why is it Dave today, Dave? Dave, why is it Dave? Genau. <laughs> Sometimes we get feedbacks like this. Sometimes people say, I didn't like the worship today. Well, it wasn't about you anyway. You know, we don't worship for you. We worship with you. Amen. And I, I just want to challenge you, encourage you. What really helps me is the, the picture of a king. If you will receive a king or a dignitary coming to Zurich right now, I wouldn't stand around and, and tell the president, hey, mate, how you doing? Just down the aisle and then a lift. There's a taxi stand. <laughs> you wouldn't do that, right? But instead you dress up. These people train for that. They roll out the carpet and they're standing there and give honor to the dignitary and say, welcome. Amen. And we are worshiping, we are receiving the king of kings. This is big, ladies and gentlemen. This is big. And that's why I believe sometimes we put too much emphasis on the heart. The heart is all that matters to God. No, it's not. It's also how we present ourselves before him. But only how we present ourselves before him. This is also not what God wants. I believe he really does look at the heart. And there's a really short Bible verse in Isaiah where it says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is not a good feedback, ladies and gents. If God tells you, You just honor me with your lips. You're just going through the motions. You look really pierced, but there's nothing behind it. It should make you swallow really hard. You know why? Not because he hates you or wants to punish you, but God knows if he don't addresses the heart and the matters of the heart and they don't, um, they are not in sync with what you do, with your outward experiences, It's only a matter of time until your life will crumble. Because it's only a matter of time until the first blow comes along in your life. The carpet gets pulled out of, from under you and you're just standing there in, in, in the dark and you don't know what to do. And if you don't know who you worship and why you worship, then my question will be, when do we worship? Do we also worship if we don't see God anymore, if we don't feel him? Do, you, do we also worship when we feel ourselves in the middle of the night, in the midnight of our lives? Will you still raise your voice and say, God, I love you, I respect you, and I trust you. And tomorrow will take us into the story of Paul and Silas that experienced just that. Yes, come on, thank you, Dave. What a role model Dave is, come on. I just want to dive into a story in the Bible, and it's actually one of my favorite stories. And just imagine the situation. Silas and Paul are in Philippi. They are building the kingdom of God. They just baptized the whole family. But 
several people dragged them to the marketplace because they were saying these two men are throwing our city into uproar. So let's dive in Acts chapter 16. Here we are, marketplace in Philippi. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Wow, maybe you ask yourself, okay, what has this situation, this story to do with my life? I'm not sitting in prison. And thankfully, you and I, we are not sitting in prison. Outwardly, physically, we are not in prison. But I see in my own life that there are areas in my life that feel in prison, that feel like I am in the deep, dark night in midnight. And I just brought three learnings we can learn from Paul and Silas, how we can worship in the middle of our night. Are you ready for the first one? Okay. The first learning is walk in the word. The ability to worship God in the middle of the night needs to be developed much earlier. It needs to be developed in your high season, on your good days, when you have the energy and the motivation to read the Bible. Just fill your heart and your spirit with the Word of God, that the Word of God and the truth of God flows out of you when you are in the middle of the night. Silas and Paul were two men and they were filled with the Word of God. Where did I notice from? The word for Singing hymns to God, in the Greek, it's called hymnoon. Let's say it all together. Hymnoon. hymnoon. That's a beautiful word. Hymnoon. And hymnoon is used in the Bible in the tense imperfect. That means it's something in the past, but it's still active. And this is so interesting because you could also say Silas and Paul were singing in the past, but they did not stop in prison. So we are talking about something, a habit that's regularly. And this is so awesome. They knew the word of God. And in your midnight, in my midnight, it's so important that we know the word of God. Because there are times in life, you don't have the ality that shows you beautiful lyrics of songs. You don't have lights that show you the way. You don't have a band that plays skillfully. You are just on your own, maybe waiting on the Lord. It's so important that my spirit and my heart know the truth and the word of God. That I know even when I don't see God right now, he's here because he promised to never leave. Then in response, I can sing. Even when 
I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Father God, I thank you that you formed me in my mother's womb. You had a plan. You have a plan and you will have a plan for my life. Your ways are higher. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I have no fear, no evil, because you are with me, you are for me, and your love is here, your guidance is here. It's the truth, nothing can separate me from your love. And here I am, I praise you in my midnight. Cause you are good and I believe you will make your way for me. Yes, you do, God. And here I stand, all my life surrendered. Cause you are good and you are God. You alone deserve my praise. Yes, you alone. Amen. He deserves my praise. Come on. Amen, amen, amen. In every season, it's so important that we know the word of God. That we know the word of God because there are seasons in life we need to say with our lips what our hearts need to hear. The second learning is choose to worship God. In my life, midnight seasons have two things in common. First, I always find a reason why I don't need to worship God right now. Second, every midnight feels like the worst experience ever. And so that's why I consciously took the word choose, because choosing is something active. Choosing, you don't just choose by accident because you feel it like to choose. It's your decision what you choose. So what would I have chosen? Hmm, honestly, I think I would not have chosen to worship. Imagine I would have been Silas in prison. Hmm. I definitely would have chosen my emotional side. For example, then would have been Paul. Okay, I don't know if that is a good situation. You are Paul, I am Silas. I would have said, then you have now 24 hours, you brought us into this situation, and then we are out of here. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you will, because I want to go out. Honestly, I would have chosen my emotional side. And imagine Paul saying to me in the middle of the night in prison, sitting on a cold floor, Tamara, I just feel deep down in my heart, like singing hymns to God. I just feel it. Let's worship. It's the, it's the right moment. It's the right time to worship God right now. Honestly, my answer, you can sing on your own, but leave me alone. I would have chosen my emotional side. And everyone 
would have understood if there is a Bible verse in, let's say, the letter of Silas, maybe. In tears, Silas and Paul fell asleep, exhausted. Or maybe a verse called, marked with blows and waiting on the Lord, the day drew to a close. But no, Silas and Paul, they chose to worship God. They chose to worship God, not for a miracle, but before the miracle. Not in response to a miracle, but in response to who God is. Isn't that good? Come on. The story goes on. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors, not just a few, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Come on, can we give God a hand for the miracle? He is there, he performs miracle, he makes a way where there is no way even today. And that brings me to my third learning, actively wait for a miracle. We have the privilege that we know the Bible, we can read the Bible, we know the end of the story. But Silas and Paul didn't know what God is going to do. They didn't know, will he perform a miracle? And when yes, when? And how does it look like? But I believe that they knew because they walked in the word and they chose to worship God. They knew that if there is someone who can do a miracle, if there is someone who can perform something just amazing, then it's almighty God. And I believe that God is here right now. And he will do a miracle in your midnight. Maybe in your circumstances. And maybe in your heart. I grew up in a beautiful Christian family. Among four siblings. Two younger sisters. An older brother. And me and my brother, we were like this. We did everything together. You know. We would lie on the, on the kitchen floor and drink our milk in the morning and evening. We'll play outside. He wouldn't even dust off my feet because he couldn't stand the dust on my feet. He was a really clean boy. And one evening as we went to bed, he would complain about a sore throat. But what do you do? I mean, that's what kids have every now and then. So we went to bed and a couple hours later in the middle of the night, he was about to suffocate and he was fighting for air. So my mom called the doctor, but he was only putting her off. He was like, don't worry, come by in the morning and we'll see. But then a couple minutes later, my older brother at six years died in the arms of my dad because of a larynx closure. And so my, my dad even, you know, thought about cutting open the windpipe to give him some air. But what, I mean, it's your son, you don't want to do that. And so at the same time, the lights in the bathroom where it happened went on and off. 
Jesus saying to my mom, don't be afraid, he's with me now. So I was still asleep, but I felt the atmosphere was so weird. And when I think back now, everything before that and everything after that, I don't, re like, I can't remember, but this night, I clearly know. Because everybody was there, my grandparents were there, my whole family mourning, like crying. And I saw the empty bed of my brother. And I asked my mom, where did he go? And she told me, your brother went to heaven to be with Jesus today. And my little soul didn't really understand. I couldn't grasp it. So day after day for five years, I kept asking, where's my brother? Will he ever come back? And the hardest thing for my mom was to tell me about a loving God, a God who cares for me, who loves me, but yet takes away the thing I loved the most. So God told her, let that be my problem. And so I fell into a depression. I wouldn't play, I wouldn't talk, I could not express my soul. And so five years later, at nine, I had a dream and I saw Jesus sitting with my brother in heaven. And I woke up and I told it to my mom and she felt relief because from this day on, I did not, ask, did not ask anymore if he ever will come back. And she knew Jesus is doing his work in me. And so it was that time when I started writing, started writing songs, more than a hundred songs that nobody has ever heard. But my mom saw those lyrics on my little desk. I could barely write but I started to express my soul, my heart, and Jesus started to heal my soul. And now when I look back, this red line through my whole life, through my creativity, through my writing, started there in this tragedy. So I started recording songs, I started singing, expressing because I wanted the world to know what he did in my heart. And it is this tragedy that becomes a huge blessing for everybody that hears the songs today all around the world. And the greatest miracle for me was I had not one day where I doubted that the love of God is real, that Jesus is alive and he is within me. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. That's what happened to Dom and that's what happened through Dom. And I believe or I pray that this night will be a night that you can have such a meeting with God like 